Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, and we are wrapping up a three-part study on the life of Joseph. How many of you have enjoyed this journey? This has been so good. Of all the, 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 the men and women in the scriptures, I think the life of Joseph is just chock full. And I want to tell you this, just this is out of pure confession. This word has been working on me. So I know sometimes the guy who preaches it, the guy who gives it, can appear to have it all together, but the truth is, I don't. Um, and this has been nourishment for my own soul. And so I, I pray that God is blessing you. I know that God is building my life through this word. And so today, we want to wrap up this, this study. Uh, it's really been a three-part study. We talked about dreams. Somebody say dreams. We talked about drama. Say Drama. Today, we're going to talk to you about destiny. Say destiny. We're going to cross the finish line strong. You know, two weeks ago, we said that God gives dreams, and so we need to be ready. And I pray that that Sunday was a catalyst where maybe the Lord began to stretch you for a vision of, of how your life could be, what he's called you to. Maybe there's something that you don't currently see, but in your spirit, there's an awakening for a better and brighter future. Um, last week when we talked about drama, we talked about certain tests that Joseph walked through test. We said a dream can't be trusted until it's first tested. Remember the three tests that God brought Joseph through. The first was the responsibility test. The second was the integrity test. And then finally, it was the obscurity test. We left Joseph in prison. Well, we got to get old Joe out of prison. Okay, let me talk this thing through again because there are a lot of chapters in Genesis. The, the, the book of Genesis devotes more chapters to Joseph than Adam, than Abraham, than uh, Isaac or, or Jacob. I mean, there's so much in this. And so I want to kind of fast forward to kind of the, 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 the nearing the finish line of this. Uh, many of you know when Joseph was in prison, he was forgotten. The Pharaoh's cupbearer was restored to Pharaoh's court. Well, interesting enough how Pharaoh himself has two dreams. Dreams. Here we are with dreams again. Pharaoh has two dreams. One of them is about cows, and the other is about grain. And he struggles to connect the dots. So he calls all of his astrologers and enchanters and, and wise men together. He shares the dreams, and nobody can tell him what they mean. Then the cupbearer hears Pharaoh talking, and he says, oh, wait, now I remember the mistake that I've made. Years ago, Pharaoh, remember when you got mad at me and you threw me in prison? Well, when I was in prison, I had a dream that I didn't understand, and a young Hebrew boy interpreted my dream. I'm convinced that if you call for him, he will give you exactly the meaning of this dream. And so Pharaoh sends for Joseph calls him out of prison. They had to shave him. They, they, he showered. They cleaned him up, put a fresh set of clothes on him. I'm telling you this. You dress for where you're going and not for where you've been. 
See, God was moving Joseph forward. Can I have a good amen? Some of you need to change the clothes of your mind. You're living in yesterday's reality, and God says, no, no, you need a new mentality. So here comes Joseph, this, this Hebrew boy that's been in prison for 13 years, standing before the most powerful man on the planet. Pharaoh describes two dreams, and Joseph says, you know, I can't tell you what they mean, but the God that I serve can. He wants you to know not just what you dreamed, but the meaning of it. And so he begins to describe there are coming years of prosperity, in fact, seven years of abundance. But then after that, there will be seven years of famine. And so my recommendation to you, O Pharaoh, is that you put someone in charge of collecting and distributing food. If you'll save during abundance, you will have provision during famine. Come on, and that's, that's just good economy 101. Pharaoh says, well, you know what? I got a great idea. You're the man in charge. Somebody say, you the man. Amen. From prison to the palace, just like that. And, and now Joseph becomes the prime minister of Egypt. Nobody in the land is more powerful than him except for Pharaoh himself. Well, sure enough, seven years of prosperity, and they store all the grain, all the abundance in the storehouses. They're saving up for the future. Now, here comes seven years of famine. And so, in Canaan, there was such famine that Joseph's brothers traveled down to Egypt because they heard that there was grain. So, now, guess who bows before Joseph? Hey, listen, this plays out better than any Hollywood script. I'm telling you, the B-I-B-L-E is where it's at. Here they are now, bowing before Joseph just like the dream that he had. As a 17-year-old boy, now he's a 39-year-old man. Joseph reveals his identity. Hey, I am your brother, They hug, they cry. Joseph says, where's my father? Bring Jacob to me. So they get Jacob and everybody lives in Egypt. Joseph, as the prime minister, not only taking care of the whole country, but he's looking out for his family. Well, the scripture says that Jacob dies and now Joseph's brothers are scared. I want you to see this in verse 16. Genesis chapter 50, starting with verse 16. So his brothers sent this message to old Joe. They said, Joseph, listen, before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you. Notice the brothers are playing the dad card. Hey, dad wanted you to know, look, he told us this before he died. Please, for, hey, I know we mistreated you, but on, on, on behalf of your father, Please be kind. Forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, now they're playing the God card. So now we, the servants of the God of your father, we beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and he wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. Now, I want you to see at this 
epic moment, at this most vulnerable moment of the story. His brothers are at his mercy. And I want you to see in these next two verses three specific things that God taught Joseph, all right? The the transformation in Joseph is staggering. Remember when he was a boy and God gave him those dreams, he kind of flaunted those dreams. Remember he kind of showed off and said, look, one day I'm going to be the man and you're going to be bowing. Remember they hated Joseph for his dreams. They hated him for that coat that he wore. They plotted to kill him, but they sold him as a slave. There's so much transformation that had happened in Joseph's life. Look at what his response was. Verse 19, but Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Now, let me stop right here and say this. The first lesson, I think this is huge. Joseph is telling his brothers, I'm not God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not God. Okay, now it's easy to say, but sometimes we get a little confused, do we not? Have you ever been confused with, you know, God's part and your part, and you tried to do what only God can do? Have you ever kind of felt like that God was misinformed in a situation in your life? You didn't see the action that you thought God should take, and so you're like, hey, God, come here. Listen, if you really knew what she did to me, what they said about me, you wouldn't expect me to be so kind. Come on, am I talking to anybody here? See, listen, this is a chair. And I want you to see this. This this chair right here is actually a chair that is is from my office. And I I love this chair. I I love it for several reasons. First of all, I love it because it's padded. And then when you sit in it, I can kind of lean back a little bit. How many of you like at your office to have something comfortable to sit in? Yes. Okay, so this is, is not a throne, but I want you to imagine for a second that it is. Okay? On the throne, thrones are normally elevated. Thrones identify those who have power and those who don't. A throne sits up higher and says, I'm the king, I'm in charge, I am more important than you. Joseph was quick to say to his brothers, am I God to sit on the throne? From the throne come certain decisions. Judgments are made from the throne. A king, just on a whim, could make a statement, and everything in the kingdom has to change. Nod your head if you're with me. Joseph is saying, I'm not equipped to sit in this chair. He's telling his brothers, I'm not God. This is God's chair. Can I just give a a word of, of beloved encouragement to the church? Quit trying to play God in everybody's life. Somebody like, Pastor, I don't know if I should clap or not, man. What's the deal? What you say? You know what? It is exhausting when you try to be God in everybody else's life. Can I have a better amen? You say, but Pastor, you don't know how I've been treated. When you've been mistreated, there's nothing in your flesh that wants more than to sit in that seat. Because that seat is a seat of judgment. That seat is a seat that makes decision that says, you're right. I mean, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're more wrong than he is. I'm right. All y'all need to do it just like me and follow me. How many of you know nobody in here is equipped to say that? 
You know what's interesting about social media? I, I didn't say this in the first service, but the thought just hit me. What's interesting about social media, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm on social media just like you are. It's some fascinating dynamics that, that I'm discovering about social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It's amazing how social media confirms that there's still a lot of sin in the world and there's a lot of outrage over the sin that's in the world, but nobody gets outraged over their sin in the world. Are you with me? Everybody's just so shocked, and I can't believe that he said this, and she did that, and this decision was made, and so, man, we blow up Facebook, and, man, everybody is just outraged over sin, but what happens when we place ourselves in this chair right here? It's easy for me to judge your sin and be blind to my own. Joseph was saying, hey, I'm not equipped. Let me tell you something about this chair. You can't handle this chair. And neither can I. You weren't made to sit on the throne. Joseph was quick to say, I'm not God. Let me ask you this. Let Let me put this in a statement. Relinquish control of the universe. We don't control the universe. We can't control people. We're not ones to judge others' actions. We have to surrender some people and some circumstances to God. How many of you like the remote control? <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. How many ever been in a fight over the remote control? Why is that? We like the remote control. Why? We, we like because remote control is better than no control. But what Joseph is saying is this, I'm not in control. This thing doesn't hinge on me. I can't play God in your life. You know, pride will put you in that chair. Pride will cause you to make decisions in a place that you're not equipped to. But pride has the audacity to say, I know better than God. Now, God has never confused himself with me. Sometimes I confuse myself with him. Come on now. You see, pride will force you to sit in that seat, but here's what happens. When you sit in that seat, it's easy to get bitter. What's amazing to me about the story of Joseph is he was wronged 22 years ago. As a 17-year-old boy, he was, they thought, let me put it this way. He thought they were his brothers, but they were his betrayers. They betrayed. Anybody ever been stabbed in the back? Yeah, true friends will stab you in the front. Come on, somebody. They love you enough to just hurt you up front. But it's that kiss of betrayal. It's that bring it in, bring it in. Yes, some of you have been betrayed, and so your flesh wants to sit in that seat, and God's saying, wait a second, be careful, be careful. You can't handle that seat. What he's saying is this, let God be God. God can do a much better job at being God than you can. And if we'll let God be God, then the the responsibility and the burden of trying to think and behave and decide like God, it's no longer ours. We've surrendered that person to the Lord. I didn't share this in the first service, but I want you to consider this, one of my favorite verses. In fact, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes we are healed. But if you back up to verse 23, 1 Peter 2.23 says this, consider Jesus. Though he suffered, he did not retaliate. 
Though he suffered, he did not retaliate, and he did not seek revenge. Instead, he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. You've got to get out of this chair and let God assume responsibility. Some of you have been trying to correct an injustice in your life. The scripture says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. If Joseph would have sat in this seat and 22 years he's thinking about everything they had done to him. Remember, they threw him in that pit, and he's in the bottom of the pit, and he's listening to their conversation about his plan, their plans for his future. He had 22 years when he was serving in Potiphar's house, when he, was, when he was in prison, and finally to the palace. He had time to make a plan of revenge. And now here his brothers are bowing before him. And what was Joseph's response? I'm not God. I'm not God to punish. When you try to take punishment into your own hands, hear me, church, when you try to punish those who have hurt you, you're not not doing anything to them. You're only hurting yourself. Hating the people who hurt you plays right into the hands of the enemy. If we'll just get out of that chair and say, Lord, will you be God? I trust the hand of God. I'm going to tell you this, God will be way more merciful to you than man ever will. Leave your case in the hands of God. You know, somebody's talked about you. Somebody uh, has made plans. They, 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 at one time, you thought they were with you, but really they have their own agenda. Don't sit in this seat. You'll only hurt yourself. Trust God. I love what Tim Keller said. He said, one of the main reasons that we trust God too little is because we trust our own wisdom too much. We think we know far better than God how our lives should go and what will make us happy. Do you know only your creator knows what will make you happy? And if you'll be quick to say, Lord, okay, I can't figure all the why. I don't understand how it happened. I know it's not for me to take revenge. Lord, I'm going to let you sit in your seat. Don't play the God card. It's exhausting trying to be God in everybody's life. You know, the, the book of Genesis, interesting consideration. The book of Genesis starts with Adam and Eve trying to be like God. Right? Remember when the serpent came to them in the garden? Said, look, if you'll eat that fruit, then your eyes will be open and you'll be just like God. They're trying to be God. Genesis starts with Adam and Eve trying to be God. And then it ends with Joseph realizing he's not. There's tremendous freedom when you let God be God and fight your battle for you. Can I say that again? Let the Lord be God. Don't take justice in your hands. Surrender those who hurt you. Don't hate them, but surrender them to the Lord and say, okay, God, you do this a whole lot better than I do, so I'm going to give him, I'm going to give her, I'm going to give this situation to you, and in your time, you deal with them as you see fit. Somebody say, I'm not God. Number two, say, I'm not in control. Okay, check this out, verse 20. Joseph says to his brothers, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended all of it for what? Good. 
You see, Joseph says, first of all, I'm not God. And second of all, he realized, I'm not in control. Now, notice in this verse, it uses the word intend twice. It's the same Hebrew word. He tells his brothers, you had a certain purpose in all of this, but God had a greater purpose in all of this. Man intended, but God. That person intended, but God. Your neighbor, your, your, your cousin, your boss, your coworker intended, but God. Quit looking at the intentions of man and set your focus on the purposes of God. Come on, do you believe that today? This will set you free. I'm saying this was, Joseph had to get his eyes off of his brothers and put his eyes on the Lord. Sure, his brothers had evil intent, but God, here's what I love about God. Do you know that the God you serve can take the worst thing that's happened to you and turn it into the best thing for you? I don't know how he does it, but that's the good God that we serve. The scripture says, and we know that all things... Not some things or most things, but all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That means the enemy can make plans, but his plans will not prevail. Quit looking at everything that they did and start embracing what God is doing. You know, there comes a time, boy, I'm, I'm preaching myself happy right now. I'm telling you, this is working on me, okay? This is, this is my issue. At the end, I'm giving an altar call, and I'm running to the altar, okay? There's nobody. I'm just giving you a little inside conversation on what the Lord is telling me. But there comes a time in your life when you're going to have to embrace this thought that what God has done for you is bigger than what anyone has done to you. Now, I'm not minimizing your pain, okay? You say, Mike, you don't know how bad I hurt. Hey, listen. I hurt myself. I'm, I'm, I'm bleeding too. I got my own issues. I know it hurts, but you have to look at the hand of the Lord. Man can make many plans, but the purposes of the Lord are going to prevail. The scripture says in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, it didn't say that weapons wouldn't be formed, but it does tell us that those weapons will not prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, the Lord says, I will condemn. You see, listen, when we refuse, when we refuse to sit in this chair, then God can occupy the space that he needs. As long as we're trying to be God, I wonder if God just sits back and says, well, okay. You, okay, big boy. You want to sit in that seat? Go right ahead. Let me know how it works out for you. How many know that God does a better job of being God than we do? So if we'll let God be God, then all of a sudden now we can embrace his purposes even in spite of the attacks of the enemy. Listen to me. Sometimes your enemies will do more to promote you than your friends. Hmm, now think about it. Think about it. You say, hmm, 
hmm, pastor, what you mean by that? You know, you think your friends are going to promote you, but God will use your enemies to accelerate that promotion. See, the, the devil's trying to stop you, trying to discourage you, trying to get you all depressed, trying to intimidate you. But little did you know that God was using all of that stuff to light a fire inside of you, and that thing is burning brighter now. And so you look back at all the, the attacks of the enemy, and you say, thank you. Lord, thank you. God, you took all that stuff that was meant to destroy me, and you're using it to develop me. Lord, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for the haters coming against me. Because God is bringing me higher. Look, I'm not going to sit in this chair because then i got to get down and sling mud. Come on. The minute you respond to drama, you become part of the cast. Come on, somebody. Man, I'm, I'm not stooping. I'm doing a great work. I'm staying focused. I'm not getting off the wall. God, even though bad things are happening all around me, I know you can take bad things and use them for my good. Check out what he says here in Psalm 105, verse 16. The Bible says that God called for a famine on the land of Canaan. Who called for the famine? God did. Watch it. I mean, he saw it coming. Check this out. Cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Now, who's doing the sending? God is, and Joseph, who was sold as a slave. So what, what the Scripture is telling us is Joseph is not a victim to his circumstances. This wasn't the hand of man. This was the sovereign hand of God. L let me tell you, boy, ooh, 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 Lord Jesus. I want to run all over this stage. But then I'd be out of breath. I couldn't talk. <laughs> I want you to hear, hear, hear this with your spirit, okay? Now, I want you to let this sink in. And I say this to, in the most, this, this will free some of you, okay? Nobody is holding you back but you. Ain't nobody holding you back but you. Circumstances, people, pain, enemies, deceit, lies, all of that stuff. Look, don't look at what's happening around you. Can't none of that hold you back. It can't. The only thing that will limit you is you. So you are not a victim. Come on, somebody. Self-pity is the most debilitating position to be in. You are shackled. When you are full of self-pity, you are in your own prison. But God is saying today, hey, don't, don't sit in my chair. I got this. Turn your neighbor and say, God's got you. Don't sit in his chair, get, out, get up out of his seat. That's his seat. How many of you, when your daddy walked into the room and you were sitting in his favorite chair? All he would have to do is look at you, and you knew you better get up fast. Oh, yeah, I try to tell my dad sometimes, yeah, hey, dad, move your feet, lose your seat. Boy. <laughs> If we'll get out of the space God's trying to occupy and realize, wait a second, I'm not in control. This, this is God's chair, and this is God's hand to me. The hand of the Lord. It can take everything bad that's come against you. Don't blame. Don't point fingers. Don't make excuses. You ought to be free and empowered that the God who is for you is greater than whatever comes against you. Romans 8, 31, and what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, 
then who can be against us? Okay, listen to this verse, Acts 4. Check this out, Acts 4, 27. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and even the people of Israel were all united against Jesus. Some of you feel like there is a coalition coming against you. At your job, in your family, in your circle of friends, that person you thought was for, they're all collectively coming against you. The Bible says all of these people were united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed, verse 28. But everything they did, somebody say everything. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. This is the will of God for me, and there's not a man on earth or a devil in hell that can stop it. The will of God, God will get you right where he wants you to be. Joseph is telling his brothers, this wasn't you. This was the hand of God. Look at how God, you meant it for evil, but look at how God is using this for good. I I, I love I love what John Piper said. He said, they tried to get rid of the dreamer, and in getting rid of him, they fulfilled his dreams. (laughs) Devil trying to get rid of you. But his attack against you is fulfilling the dream of God for you. Stephen Furtick said this. He said, Joseph had every right to play the victim, but he chose to allow the hand of God, not his hardships, to write his headlines. What are you allowing to write your headlines? Let it be the hand of God. Somebody say, I'm not God. Say, I'm not in control. Say, it's not about me. Now, let's wrap this up here. Look at the last half of verse 20. Joseph says to his brothers, he says, God brought me to this position God brought me to this position. Why? So that I could save the lives of many people. Joseph realized all those dreams that I had as a boy, that that sense of destiny, that promise on my life, God brought me to this position, but it wasn't about me. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Say, I love you, but it's not about you. You see, when you make a dream about you, the dream begins to shrink to the size of you. But if you make your dream about God, that dream inflates to the size of God. I would rather have a God-sized dream and only experience half of it than a man-sized dream and walk in all of it. You see, don't make the dream about you. Joseph said, God has brought me to this position. Position is not about power. It's about serving people. Okay? Strength is never about status. It's always about service. God brought Joseph to... Now, he's not sitting on his own throne... But God brought Joseph to the, next to Pharaoh, the highest position in the land. And Joseph realized, you know what? He did all that 
so that I could save you. He's telling his brothers, this is not even about me. Now, now think about it. Remember, let me rewind the clock, and then I want, to, uh, I, I want you to see this, and I want to pray over you. I think this is important. How many dreams did Joseph had, have as a boy? Two dreams. Remember that first dream was all about grain, okay, and 12 bundles of grain, and, and his bundle was elevated higher than his brother's bundle. All of them, their bundles begin to bow down. Remember, Joseph was kind of focused on the bowing. Remember that? Okay. But he, he neglected to consider the grain. Why did he dream about grain? Because a famine was coming. Okay. The importance of the dream was, hey, there's famine, but I'm going to use you for provision. Joseph was thinking about others bowing to him. But God had to bring him through a process and say, hey, it's not about you. It's about what I want to do through you. Are you with me? Now, he had a second dream. What was that second dream about? The stars in the sky. Remember that? Eleven stars. And, man, he was the twelfth one, and his star was shining brighter. Joseph was more focused on how brightly his star was shining, but he didn't realize that the stars, once you consider this, Bible college students, Bible scholars, this is a reference to Abraham, to the promise that God gave Abraham. When he told Abraham, I'm going to bless your descendants, and I'm going to multiply you to be so numerous that they'll be like the stars in the sky. Joseph thought it was about his star shining. He didn't realize that under Joseph, the fulfillment of Abraham's promise would take place. Because where did the nation of Israel begin to grow? In Egypt, man, they just multiplied. I mean, every time you turn around, it multiplied. It got bigger. Man, that family, God is growing and developing a nation. See, the dreams were about Joseph being a, a, a protector and Joseph being a provider. It wasn't about Joseph being the center. It wasn't about him being the man. Joseph had to realize this thing is not about me. Let me ask you this. How are you doing on your journey from me to we? From me to to we. God's trying to transition some of you, and he's trying to tell you, hey, listen, the reason why you're in the position is not for your own purposes, but it's to serve and to save others. You know what? If we want to lead at the highest level, we have to be willing to serve at the lowest level. Come on, nod your head if you're with me. And I believe that God's got a destiny for you to lead at a, at a very high level but you know where it starts? A willingness to, to do what nobody wants. I love it. We say this about our church all the time. Because people tell, man, how do you get all those people? Man, y'all got all kind of people over there. You, you got the who's who of the Christian zoo over there at Healing Place. <laughs> For real. I hear crazy stuff, y'all. I do. Y'all got all those who's who people. I say, you know, no, 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 no. God told us 26 years ago that if you will go after the people that nobody wants, I'll send people that everybody wants. Why do we do missions? Why do we work in the slums of Dominican or, or in Africa or, or in India? Why do we go to the hardest places in the world? Because the dream is not about us. It's about others. And just as God sent Joseph down to Egypt to bring salvation, not to just his family, but to a nation, there was a day when God the Father sent his son to earth 
And it wasn't just to save a nation, it was to bring salvation to the nations of the world. So how fitting on Mission Sunday that we would finish the story of Joseph in such a way where we're reminded, I'm not God. Mm, I'm not God. I'm not in control. Lord, it's not about me. May it always be about him. Amen. Come on, can we clap our hands this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.